Hello, good evening, everybody. Just after seven o'clock, as always, this is the Yard Sign, the most important relevant podcast in politics. Your host, as always, Johnny Torres. Hope you all had an amazing weekend uh, and plenty to talk about that transpired over the past week. So we have uh, a lot to get to today, including uh, a favorite guest of ours who uh, has been with us for some time, but uh, certainly has plenty to say. And uh, we've, uh, of course, kind of tailored our topics as well uh, to uh, his strength. And so we're excited to have him back with us. Uh, as you can see there to my left, we're going to be talking about the governor's race practically being over. And uh, that's not just those of us on the right saying that. Uh, we'll talk about that. Biden's oil crash, uh, the fist bump that uh, just uh, went awry. Uh, we'll talk about why gas prices are going to get uh, ridiculous. Uh, and Russia getting feisty things are heating up uh in russia and ukraine as uh things continue to escalate and uh, what some people are saying may be the closest we've ever been to nuclear war uh even since uh the 50s and 60s uh so uh we'll we'll talk about that and we have just the person to do it so let's get right into today's show over on the big table joining Anibal david cabrera is the one and only retired air force colonel EJ Otero. Hello, my friend. Hey, how you doing? Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Uh, looking good as always. Uh, I think your, your, your time or your distance from politics, I think, is serving you well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we try. It's, uh, it's, it's but those like of a, us in the in the thick of it, we miss you. We miss having you around. Uh, you know, I enjoy be the voice of reason. I enjoy the facial expressions at meetings. Yeah. when you attend, <laughs> because like me, I cannot hide anything when it comes to like. <laughs> That's good. Well, in uh, in EJ again, uh, you know, uh, I'm excited that you have joined us um, because, of course. Um, Anibal loves talking international politics. I don't follow it that much that closely, but again, given uh, what we are going through presently, how that may affect the midterms, how that may that may affect the overall um, you know environment of the planet, really. As uh, again, we're talking nuclear war. Uh, I think uh, you know gives us quite a bit to discuss today, including even uh, as we talk about the decisions that Biden has made in regards to not being able to get deal with OPEC, um, but at the same time, not wanting to take the blame for uh, the the gas prices uh, that we're facing here in the United States is, I think parts of California are seeing something like $8 a gallon uh, or north of $8 a gallon. It's ridiculous. Um, so, but uh, let's go ahead and kick off today's show with our first uh, um, topic, which is the governor's race uh, practically being over. Uh, we have seen the governor in action. Uh, as we luckily have become accustomed to. I mean, you talk about uh, Governor Scott, you know, um, also fantastic when it came to handling hurricanes. Uh, Governor DeSantis also, especially given the devastation that we've seen down in the Sanibel area, uh, also remarkable that within a week, in less than a business week, he was able to get a bridge built uh, to begin the search and rescue of Sanibel Island. Uh, we continue to see just uh, what... I think what may be, what what may be the most qualified governor that this state has ever seen. Now, because you're starting to see some of his military knowledge and experience being put to use, mm -hmm. uh, and then when you see him with a lot of the policy things he's done, uh, a lot of his legal expertise from Harvard and Yale being put to use, uh, I think uh, he may be the most well-rounded governor uh, we've we've ever had. 
Oh, no, definitely. I mean, you see it uh, from the time he spent in Guantanamo to the time he spent with Southern Command as a legal advisor to the commander, to the four-star commander. Yeah. The history is uh, 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 fantastic. He had a, an excellent reputation. It hasn't changed. And he carries through to the uh, daily life of uh, an executive of a state. Mm -hmm. uh, and when he responds to a hurricane like this, the, um, the military mind immediately goes, contingency plan. Where is the contingency plan? This is not the time to put it together, so you, you guys better put it on my desk within the next five minutes. And it has been going on. That's something, something that is always planned. It is ongoing at all times. And you could see it that in this case, that's what happened. Yeah. He called it on activated it, they put it on on his desk, and he started making the phone calls and checking the uh, the things that he needed to check and make sure that the folks were taken care of. Because I'll tell you, uh, I'll be perfectly honest, that as soon as the hurricane hit, and for those of us who were just north of it here in Tampa, uh, we're able to be like, okay, everything's cool here, we're good. Um, what happened? Uh, you start to think, okay, now how's the governor gonna handle this? It's not like, oh, he's got this. Right. Like we, you know, because we don't know this is his first rodeo. Mm -hmm. uh, and and of course, I think it's it's perfectly normal to have some concern over. Well, how is this going to be handled? How are people here in Florida going to be taken care of? And I'll tell you, I think, you know, we're, we're we're talking in just a minute about, you know, Joe Biden's visit. But I think the minute the governor's race was over was the minute you saw that caravan of Publix trucks going over that bridge into Sanibel Island. Absolutely. Uh, it is automatic uh, uh, response from people that also had plans to do this, not only plans, but means, and that they reached out to the governor and got the okay and facilitation from the governor rather than impeding the, uh, the, the, the progress of what needed to be done. So uh, it is, it is uh, it's mutual. Those that are donating, those that are doing it uh, uh, out of the goodness of their heart, um, uh, and those that are highly organized, like Publix, they have the logistic structure to do it. Yeah. They said, Governor, we got all this. We need your help. All we need for you is to say, okay, tell the cops, tell the sheriff's departments to support us in making sure that we can make it through. Right. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, nonprofit organizations that are also uh, validated, Red Cross, and so on, that are fantastic. Uh, that is uh, that is something that doesn't happen in all the hurricanes. Do you remember Maria in Puerto Rico? Yeah. The governor was a problem because the governor kept saying no to all the ideas and all the uh, the movements yep. coming into the island, and it resulted in him having to resign uh, mm -hmm. shortly thereafter. Well, and he, he again stupidly, I forgot that you know your family comes from Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and of course Maria being a perfect example of how here we are years later and they're still in the same position they were back then. Correct. I mean, the level of corruption, not that I think statehood would solve it, you know, but maybe it would, you know, help to kind of tamper some of that or, or maybe again, kind of create a reset kind of a scenario where the Puerto Rican government could kind of restart in a way that would uh, eliminate uh, some of that corruption. Um, but, but we see them now again, again, without power, and they were without power before Ian hit. Yes. Uh, the 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 private company that was brought in, you know, again has had issues. Second um, time. 
Right. They, in Maria, they had a company that did the same thing. Yeah. And then strangely enough, regardless of the billions of dollars, which Trump was very hesitant to give them mm-hmm. for the reasons we now know, mm-hmm. uh, they've only used like a fraction of the funds. Correct. And so it's, it, it's so head scratching. Most of those, most of those dollars have gone into salaries. Mm. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, uh, in other projects that are not necessarily tarps or rebuilding, um, uh, electrical plants or anything like that. So we, there is a problem. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, the folks there, they're wonderful people in Puerto Rico that are more than desirous to take part of the rebuilding process. Yeah. And if they were to get their hands on it, they would do a fantastic job. Well, it's a beautiful country. And then if you look at the fact that aside from the tourism, that they benefit greatly from. There was also a huge manufacturing element happening in Puerto Rico in regards to pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. uh, and, and other industries. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's frustrating because if they got their act together, they could be so powerful. Like they used to be. <laughs> yeah, sure. I remember in the 60s and the 50s by history, my mom and my dad, um, in the 50s, Puerto Rico was uh, uh, fabulous. Uh, it, it had a... Uh, one of the highest uh, production, labor production rates in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, the unemployment was very low. Uh, everything was totally different. The, 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 the way they approached everything was uh, slightly different than it is now. But it's not that, it's, uh, that, that, that it cannot be saved. It can. It can. There's, there's people in Puerto Rico that if given the opportunity, they, they can have a positive effect. It's just a matter of... This individual is getting their way to the, to a position that they can that they can that they can play in support of that. Pretty much same here, you know. There's individuals right now that thank God uh, uh, participated in one way or another in the government as either politicians or, or private uh, leaders mm-hmm. that already know what it is. So if the God bless, there is not another one. But if there were to be another uh, incident like this, you have individuals that already have experience. So those that have experience that may be on their way out, these people can replace them. So you have the quality, you have the structure, you have the expertise that can uh, that can help uh, uh, support and lead in moments like this in the future. Prayers that it doesn't happen again because it was it was like an atomic bomb. I mean, they got lucky with Ian. I mean, they still yes. got you know they got the weather, uh, which again, even as far as we were approximately two hours away from the eye of the storm, and we got the weather, um, and there was damage as far north as. Uh, really, the south of the county, you know, Ruskin, there were people with damage in Ruskin, but Sarasota County, Manatee County got damaged. Um, so we got in, we were incredibly fortunate uh, from that regards in, in terms of the trajectory of the storm. You, you remember um, Andrew mm-hmm. in 1992? I was yeah. in Miami. Yeah, so and, was I. Uh, and he was, uh, I mean, I went to hide at a friend of mine's house, and it was like a, it was, it was a tight hurricane. It was like five miles long yep. and uh, four miles wide. Something like that. And it was like a bowling ball that came through uh, country. uh, uh. Well, I want to clarify because I made my admission, I think, last show. I wasn't, I was living in Miami, but I wasn't in Miami when Andrew hit. I happened to be in Columbia on summer vacation. Uh And um, we were actually just about getting ready to come back because it was, what, late August? Yes. Uh, And so school was about to start. Right. And, uh, and of course, as soon as the hurricane hit, then we 
immediately came back to kind of see what the status was of our own home. And luckily, like with Ian, we were far enough north on the county line mm -hmm. to where we had, you know, just debris and trees and stuff like that, but no uh, as actual damage to the home. But, you know, the, the damage that it, it caused to Homestead is still seen today. Oh, absolutely. You had the, the F-4 from Homestead Air Force Base uh, close to the beach, upside down, and that is like a quarter of a mile away. They really flew after not flying for 30 years, <laughs> uh, but it landed on its back and they had to reconstruct the whole base. But that hurricane was all, um, um, mostly, 90% of it was not water, it was wind. Right. And this one was a monster wide and brought a lot of rain and the water added to the flooding, added to um, uh, all the other uh, all the other elements, uh, um, made the destruction the way they did throughout the whole county, and um, um, to some extent into into Florida all the way to Orlando. So, but uh, back to the back to the original premise, uh, the governor did a fantastic job. He 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 was on. Yeah, and uh, that's something that anybody that was in uniform at one time uh, uh, really appreciates it. How are you thinking the national media is responding to the governor's um, hurricane response? What do, you, what do you think they're trying to achieve with their um, press? Well, my perception is that it was so positive that those that want to find something negative can't. Mm -hmm. So they'd rather not talk about it. So rather than saying uh, the, the excellent steps that were taken to mobilize all the sheriff's department, to mobilize the... Uh, uh, um, linemen, uh, electrical outlets and electrical grid teams from across the states mm -hmm. uh, defining how many they would need, not just let's figure it out at the last second, but knowing exactly how many they would need and have them on pre-positioned, uh, uh, pre uh, ready to go is like a military operation. It's very difficult to go against that. You can throw the, you can throw the, the, the stuff and throw it against a wall and see if it sticks. But in this case, it would not stick, so they'd rather not throw it, but they're not going to say anything good for, for it either. They're not going to recognize what the governor did. And, and that's unfortunate, mm -hmm. because I think uh, in, the, in the heart of the American people, regardless of party and regardless of whatever, you don't want any harm to fellow Americans anywhere in the country. Correct. And you like to hear, you like to hear up, um, uh, positive words from the media uh, uh, in moments like that. Mm -hmm. I... What's interesting to me too is, um, and rightfully so, I mean, is just how present he's been in the area, mm -hmm. you know, which is important. And it's weird because, right, you got to kind of walk a fine line between being in the area, monitoring what's happening, you know, making some decisions in what's going on, but at the same time, not getting in the way. You know, and so based on, again, your military background, I mean, how difficult of a line is that to walk? Because, you know, Democrats were really quick to try to pounce on the fact that whenever he was in town or whenever he was in certain parts of the area that was affected, that he was impeding some of the recovery efforts. Uh, I think that that is as unfair against him as it would be against anybody else. Mm -hmm. In this sense, anybody, if you look at any disasters, you look at the leadership, the people that can fix those disasters, people that have a say on what kind of support, what kind of contingency um, uh, action that need to be taken, they're never there. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be because they'll be on the way. They send their teams 
and the teams have the instructions. You know, you take these boxes, you make sure that they're delivered to this uh, uh, basketball court uh, under the mayor. You make sure that these are the 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 the, the, um, um, the, the staging areas that we need to support. There is a uh, there is a representative of the sheriff department waiting for you right there. Make sure his name is such and such. So if you go there looking for camera and uh, or maybe not looking for camera but just to change the plan at the last minute you get in the way right so you already did what you're supposed to do you establish the organization you put money together if that's what it takes yeah. you made the phone which calls. they are they're fundraising right well, now. absolutely yeah. you, you 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 made the phone calls that needed to be made to the decision makers um, and um, then sit back and wait for it to happen. You you stay in your place. If the, if the if the support staff, if the support structure that is on the ground fighting all this and making it happen, mm. if they need support, they need somebody to answer the phone call. Correct. Right. So they need to call you, and you better be ready to call the governor or call whomever you need to call. You are just as important right. if you're a leader. So if the governor. If the governor um, uh, was attacked for for doing something like that, it's it's it is uh, completely misplaced because he never got in the way of anybody. He actually maintained his maintained his place. At least when I saw him on TV give the the press conferences, he mm. was surrounded by whom the leaders. Right, they were not getting in the way of the linemen. Uh, you could you could get uh, a, a beautiful Photoshop putting a ladder for one of the linemen to go up, but what got, what good does that do you? Nothing. If somebody that it, another team of linemen from Duke Energy down the street needs uh, support in getting uh, access to a certain road, and you're the only one that can make the phone call, what does that do you right. if you're not there? No, he knows his he knows his lane. Oh, absolutely. And he's been doing a great job in that lane yes. when it comes to what needs to get done. What I thought was fascinating was just how efficient and how on point the entire organization has been so far. To the point even I'm, I'm, I'm shocked and I'm very gracious for our first lady of the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. She's been doing a phenomenal job raising money. And then when someone questioned why she was, she's like, look, three months from now, people are going to need hotels to stay in they're going to need food they're going to need jobs this is that's what this money is going to be for and we're going to and she made mention that there's going to be an infrastructure to to be able to dole out this yeah money. the recovery efforts are going to last much right. longer than the cameras are going to be around and that, absolutely and that's what she said i think yeah. that people forget as floridians we know it took forever for punta gorda to get back together mm -hmm. it took forever for for homestead to get back together it took forever for even orlando to get themselves back together when it when charlie just wrecked middle of the country middle of the state we know that it takes time. I don't think the national organizations understand that. No, they don't. And uh, what, what it's uh, what it's sad is uh, uh, from from the perspective of an emergency, of a, uh, of an emergency event uh, that requires uh, um, uh, firefighters, uh, electrical support personnel, uh, police. Um, uh, you know, dedicated citizens that are willing to do whatever they need to do. Rescue animals is just very important as well. Yeah. All those things, um, you know, it's very sad when it's politicized. Mm -hmm. I would never politicize it. Well, and that's been the interesting thing because I haven't heard a lot of criticism on the side of on the conservative side of, let's say, the president, even right. though really the federal government has mostly been hands off. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, in fact, Republicans voted against the hurricane aid bill because mm -hmm. it was littered with pork for, I think it was another $12 billion for the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, and there which, was some other stuff which is, tacked is, on top. What of is that. that doing in that? Right. What on Send earth those $12 billion dollars to, you know, down to Southwest yeah. Florida. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and now we're now I think we've got our priorities in order. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they I mean, they're literally sending money over to the Ukraine. That's a whole, whole nother conversation we can get to in a little bit. But they're sending money over to the Ukraine like it's an ATM. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll, but, I'll ask this question. Knowing how connected you are to the community and knowing how well you've been able to send um, aid to places that I don't think people would expect uh, organization in Tampa, in Podunk Tampa, <laughs> to, be able to be able to send. What can people that are watching and hearing us right now do and what organizations would you point them to? Um, organizations that I would point them to other than obviously the Red Cross and Course of Action Foundation <laughs> uh, .org, COA Foundation. Well, and for org. transparency, that's your nonprofit, <laughs> it you is. know, and, and, and we didn't, you know, again, we're, we're not bringing this up to kind of pat ourselves on the back, but, you know, Anibal and EJ and a few other people, whoa, hello, um, you know, uh, coordinated to send a semi-truck full of pallets of water yes uh down to the affected area which again incredibly necessary yeah we, we worked with other groups we worked with uh, jay collins yes. for yeah. food uh jay put together he's a special forces friend he put together his team he also has an arm is that the, is that operation barbecue yes okay got that it. is and uh he has a capability to feed 30 to fifty thousand people and uh, they're moving along with their plan on how to do that and uh, at the time when we send the water, that's what we were told was needed. Yes. Water. Not, water. N- never send something that they're not asking you to send. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they wanted water. So we send uh, uh, 22 pallets of water, uh, um, close to 150,000 uh, bottles of water. We continue sending after that. We continue collecting um, uh, through locations here in the city with the, with the Tampa Bay Rays. But with the Tampa Bay Rays, when we partner with them, uh, and when we partnered with a uh, that was for Maria, yes, right, and no, and for and for um, uh, Ian, uh, it's, oh yeah, is we uh, we have expanded. We it's not just our water. Now we're actually going with aid, mm-hmm. people, things that people need, uh, uh, feminine um, uh, things, kids. Well, talking about talking about the experience, you know, really, because I remember back when Andrew. In fact, when I I, I was, you know, I was uh, what twelve at the time, you know, but I was volunteering in a lot of the kind of the sorting of the donations, and Absolutely. things that were coming in. And I remember the lesson we learned from there was the clothes. Remember, mm-hmm. people were sending tons of clothes, and now we've learned like just don't, right? Don't send clothes that's right because all that stuff ended up spoiling getting uh getting wet getting moldy getting burned like trashed beyond that uh, if you if you send clothes and nobody's asking you for clothes it's rare that people will ask for clothes uh uh, other uh, other agencies and groups like uh, metropolitan ministries and and red cross they have the way to sanitize them uh, um, but most entities don't, and the reason that most entities don't accept clothing is because sometimes um, uh, you know they're they're not sanitized, right? And somebody uh, could get could get ill, mm-hmm. could get sick, and uh, uh, and then you just made the situation worse for that individual. Yeah. Now you have some sort of breakout. Yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah. it requires an extra step from these people. And I just wanted to really quick point out that um, it was it was surprisingly easy to organize something like that. Weirdly, and it, it almost took me aback of like, I'm not having to beg, I'm not having to do anything. I'm just, it, things are just falling in, in place where they need to follow. Mm-hmm. It, the, the organizations that we asked, the, the Karen Pittmans, the Jay Collins, the, the Scott Patriots, Scott Levinson, they were more than willing to give. 
they were more than the sheriff's department of Hillsborough County was more than willing to provide someone to do the escort. Well, the, 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 and that the, came out of nowhere. I did well, not even know where that came from. The fact that the sheriff escorted uh, the, 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 the truck uh, packed with, uh, with water was a big deal. Uh, personally, I, 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 I asked. Okay. I said, do, do, do we need to do that? He says, absolutely. But then there was a reason why. We found out later on that there were areas of departure mm -hmm. and staging in Tampa that were robbing yes. these containers. We found out later oh, on. Wow. And they were arresting people that were breaking into, into containers right before they were well, See, you didn't hear a lot of that reported. Right. Yeah. So the, the, we appreciated the Sheriff Department, department ensuring and uh, Chad Cronister, the sheriff, making sure that all the, all the wonderful donations and all the great work of the folks that uh, supported that effort mm -hmm. made it to the destination point. Uh, so um, uh, it, 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 it ran very smoothly. I, I think we still have a couple of weeks to go, um, but uh, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of uh, coafoundation.org. We have, you just go to the website and uh, you can see all the stuff we have done. We, one of the things we did, we, we send one million meals to, um, um, you know, Col uh, Venezuelan refugees in, in Colombia and, right. and the Bahamas when the hurricanes went through the Bahamas, 650,000 meals. So we, we, we do things, we, li we like to make an impact and not hurt people, not get in the way right. of people that are doing great work. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's what keeps them going. I think something that we need to also focus on is that, and turning this back into politics, is that polling has now finally came out of what people are thinking about the um, the response from the Since governor the end, right. and figuring out like what are they thinking about and everything else. And this, again, these polls just came out from the economists and YouGov that 55% of all respondents and 61% of likely voters approve of uh, Ron DeSantis' storm response. Uh, there's about 18 to 21% disapprove, uh, respectively. In regards to... Um, People that voted for Joe Biden in 2020, 38% of those people that voted for Joe Biden uh, approved the governor's response. So this is a, fun, a very surprising um, showing of what the what the gov what the governor's actions well, have been able to put into a polling. And what's very telling too is because really the whole foundation, the root of the topic, was really the fact that the governor, uh, I'm sorry, the president came down, you know, surveyed, did his thing, and then basically said, hey. That governor seems to be doing a good job. He got it. <laughs> and, and, and really, I mean, one of the people that I know in politics that is closest to Charlie Chris, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Charlie is literally his daughter's godfather, mm -hmm. said that's when the race was over. The minute the president said that Governor DeSantis is doing a great job with hurricane recovery efforts, said that's when the race was yeah, over. We're going to see that on every news clip probably a week or two before the election is the one yeah. we'll start seeing that. But again, I think you made a really interesting point here. It's not, you get scorned by the, by the media and by the public. If you are the governor and you are trying to hold a ladder or you're trying to start putting nails into, into, into wood to build something like you get nailed for that because that's not your lane. Or tossing around paper towels. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's not, <laughs> but that's not your lane. I think that's a really important thing. As the governor, your job is to make sure, like you said, it's, you're getting things streamlined so they can go yeah. to where they need to go. This day and age, people see through that stuff. Yes. That's old school political theater. 
And the whole, yeah, look at them with a hard hat and banging nails into a thing and blah, blah, blah. Like, people see through that. They know, you know, he's not spending the whole day there on that site. Absolutely. You know, that was literally something that was planned in advance. It probably took about 20 to 30 minutes to, to, to do, and then he moved on to the next thing. Yeah, and people you get know? upset. And smartly, I think the governor has not put himself in those kind of situations. Yeah, I, re I remember during Maria, we had uh, five warehouses of 40,000 square foot each in Tampa, and they were all packed. And we had people, we had anywhere between three and 400 volunteers every weekend uh, packing stuff and uh, putting in uh, respective pallets for shipment. And uh, uh, the governor, Governor, uh, governor Scott, he came twice. And uh, both times I was very impressed in the sense that he, 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 he they came to get me and uh, he said, Governor Scott is here, he wants to talk to you. So I come outside and uh, my team is with me and uh, I welcomed him. He wanted to see how the operation was going on. So we gave him a, a, tour. a, a, a tour of the place, and uh, we showed him. And um, um, uh, at the end, we had a beautiful briefing um, of what we were doing and the numbers and statistics and so on. And he stopped, and he looked at me, and he says, what do you need? Right. That's it? Yeah. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, as governor, that's exactly what you're right. supposed to do. It's not just going around. And by the way, when he was going around, uh, there were no cameras. He told no cameras. He told people, I don't want any cameras. He was just talking to the folks. Right. Uh, he did have a picture outside, a couple of pictures outside. But when he was inside in, uh, um, in, the, in the meat of what was happening, in the grind of what was happening, he didn't. At the end, uh, he just asked me. Well, to give him credit where it's due, anytime I saw Governor Scott at a public event, once the cameras were off, once the lights were off, once it, even most people were gone, yeah. he made it a point to go around to all the staff Correct. and make sure to thank them and shake their hand. And I, I will tell you, I will tell you this about him: he did that. He made sure that he shook everybody's hand yeah. in private. Yes, right, right. private. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, when he was leaving, he says, "So uh, you're good, Avelio?" And I said, "Yes, sir. We're good. We're working with the with the mayors in Puerto Rico." Uh, if we get into a stumbling block, we'll let you know. And he goes, so you're good? I said, yes. Are you sure you're good? And he said, yes, I am. <laughs> he reached in his pocket. He pulled this piece of paper. He said, there's this lady in Orlando. She has been collecting some stuff. She needs help shipping into Puerto Rico. Can you help her? Gotcha. He became the intermediary right? for that lady. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, absolutely. I'll give yeah. her a call, and we'll bring her stuff, and we'll yeah. send it. And we did that. So that's uh, that's what leadership is about. Sure. It's, it's one of the most humbling experiences when, and I remember a hurricane had hit Honduras when I was a kid, and my my mom is Honduran, and so we went to the th we went to a huge warehouse, and my mom was like, and I'm, I had to be like maybe twelve, and she's we get to the warehouse, she's like, okay. You're here for the next five days. And I'm like, I have school. She's like, that's not important right now. <laughs> These people need your help. Yeah. And that was one of the most fulfilling things I'd ever done. To the point where I learned how to drive a forklift at 12 years old, which shouldn't happen, but it's Honduras. It is what it is. And yeah. so, but it was one of those experiences that you don't forget. It's like the first time you're going on a mission trip or the first time mm -hmm. you actually see the devastation that can happen. And you know, it's not about you. You put in your time, you do your work, you get, you put your head down, and you grind, and you and you just know that it's going to help someone. Yeah. Well, to to kind of bring the topic to a close, I mean, really, I think this was almost kind of like the one of the remaining boxes. I think that Governor DeSantis had to kind of check off, mm -hmm. really, to prove what I think most people see as inevitable that he'll be running for president at some point, whether it be twenty four or after that. Um, and and you know, again, he's 
proven himself to be worthy of the of the role he's in. Uh, and I think certainly of any role that comes after, and uh, you know, I think it's going to pay off big here. I think um, you know we're we're starting to see nationally the move, numbers are starting to move back to the right, uh, and I think especially here in Florida. I mean, again, uh, let's be honest. Governor DeSantis is a big reason why so many people moved here yeah. uh, after COVID. Uh, or during COVID, you know, was really because of his policies and and the the way that he navigated that crisis. And so, you know, kudos to him on on that front. And uh, I actually, uh, before I get into some uh, breaking news that we had um, just before the show started, I do want to make sure that uh, we take care of our sponsors. Uh, we have two amazing organizations uh, here that are part of the yard sign and help us to bring this show to you every single week. And you're going to see a lot of improvements happening uh, here on not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera. Uh, first, uh, a little shout out to our friends at Community Patriots. Uh, we were just talking about some of the work they did in getting hurricane supplies uh, down to the affected areas in Southwest Florida. Uh, and, uh, and you know, uh, haven't missed a beat when it comes to also helping those constitutionally founded uh, candidates throughout the Tampa Bay area that are running for office uh, and continue to help them knock doors, make phone calls in their efforts to get elected in the upcoming midterm election. And so to learn more about Community Patriots, if you'd like to start a chapter of your own, uh, because there isn't one where you live, uh, check out community-patriots.com. That's community-patriots.com. And uh, as I mentioned, we have an amazing new sponsor uh, that we're kind of trickling out uh, here. And and uh, by the way, I, I also completely forgot the biggest news, which is that now we have a website. Hey. Um, <laughs> so you can go to the yard sign show.com, the yard sign show.com. Uh, and uh, it's a you know, nice little website we put together for you to get to know uh, a little bit about us, a little bit about the show. And then, of course, our newest sponsor being Concerned Veterans for America. Uh, Concerned Veterans for America, better known as CVA. They're a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization. They are the voice of the veterans for freedom um, and prosperity. Uh, they do incredible work all throughout the country. Uh, they especially work to hold the VA accountable, uh, promoting policy changes that ensure better health outcomes for veterans and encourage our elected officials to keep America's promise to those who have served our nation. And let me tell you what, if there's anything that needs uh, you know a lot of help, it's it's the VA and, and reforming the VA to better serve our veterans. Uh, to learn more about how you can continue to stand for American freedom and prosperity, uh, uh, contact our good friend David Houston at dhouston at cva4a.org, and we'll be sure to post this in the comments to the video as well, uh, in the description of the video as well, sorry. Um, uh, but you can, of course, visit their website, which is cv, the number four, a.org. That's cv the number four, a.org. They hold amazing events uh, uh, throughout the year. They're also out there door knocking uh, for uh, incredible candidates like Laurel Lee and others. Uh, you can also follow them on Twitter at ConcernedVetsFL. That's at ConcernedVetsFL on Twitter. Or uh, just look them up on Facebook at Concerned Veterans for America, Florida. And that is for our, our chapter here in Tampa Bay and throughout the state. That's Concerned Veterans for America, Florida. Shout out to Jimmy Smith and uh, David Houston uh, for that. And again, they also went uh, last week 
uh, they went down to Fort Myers to help with the recovery efforts. And so uh, in addition to the incredible work they're doing for our veterans, they also have stepped up to the cost to help all Floridians with the recovery efforts down in Southwest Florida. Uh, on that note, thanks for watching The Yard Sign. Again, our new website, theyardsignshow.com. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, follow us, especially the audio version of our podcast. Very popular because you can take it with you wherever you want to go, listen to it whenever, wherever you can. Uh, you can pick it up on your favorite podcast platform uh, like so many of you have already. Uh, our primary audience is actually on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Samsung Podcasts, I believe, come in second. Um, we've got some Alexa listeners. We've got uh, some, uh, um, we've also got um, iHeartRadio listeners. And so we can't thank you enough for picking up the show and taking it with you. Uh, thanks to all those who subscribe, like, follow. And then if you're on YouTube, make sure you ring the bell. Let's get into today's second topic, which is uh, Biden's oil crash. We knew this was coming. Uh, you know, he uh, intentionally went after the oil reserves and has really made uh, one of the biggest dents in our oil reserve that we've seen, I think, in about 50 years, 50 or 60 years. Uh, uh, he has set us back that far in regards to our oil reserves right before we're basically on the brink of World War III. And we're starting to see gas prices uh, climb back throughout most of the country. Here in Florida, we're currently experiencing uh, lower prices thanks to Governor DeSantis's tax break that he implemented during the, um, the legislative session uh, earlier this year that goes throughout the month of October. So we're not feeling it yet, uh, but I can assure you in a couple weeks it's coming. California already seeing gas prices north of $8 a gallon, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous. But yet Gavin Newsom, again, thinks that he's somehow qualified to be president. Um, Anibal, I know you, know you were following really what's been happening with OPEC. And you know basically, I mean, they did everything short of you know giving us the middle finger. Um, I'll say this. I'm not surprised at all of what OPEC did. <laughs> it makes complete sense. Uh, when you have the product that the whole world wants, it makes sense that you're going to want it to them to be paying $100 a barrel when it comes to oil. So I'm, I'm not surprised whatsoever. I, I'm not surprised that Saudi Arabia and the UAE did what they did. They don't have a good relationship with the Biden administration. The fist bump uh, in July, I believe, is when he went to Saudi Arabia. It's about right. Summer, uh, was an embarrassment. He, he is not. It's Again, it's like Grandpa giving you a fist bump at like Thanksgiving dinner. Like That's not real. He just wants to try to connect with you. Well, and I would seem that he also doesn't remember who which grandchild you are. And so that's why he's also doing this. Yeah. And I would assume that they probably culturally saw it as disrespectful. Yeah, it's a I will say that that part of the that part of the world loves the pomp and circumstance for those events. And so to have that such a disrespectful moment mm -hmm. is just it's it's uncalled for. I mean, at least with the with the Obama administration, when he bowed to the at that time, the crown prince that was representing Saudi Arabia was one thing. But it's just it's, it's almost it's why it, it makes things worse than what it really is. Well, I mean, Biden's out brown skin and he goes, well, this person was fist bump. <laughs> Anyways, the the boost of the boost for Russia is something that we're having a really big issue with. But with OPEC's alliance, they have now officially cut more than two million barrels of oil that will be produced on their side. I believe it's uh, OPEC Plus, so the alliance. I know that we are starting to have communications with um, Venezuela in regards to figuring out what to do to relax the sanctions that we have there, which I think is extremely dangerous. And uh, 
the fact that we are not ourselves trying to take advantage of what we have here in the country when it comes to resources is just disappointing. So I, I look. Well, I mean, that's the most ridiculous I look forward, part. I look forward to seeing what will happen because now you're trying to see oil uh, gas prices starting to rise. Uh, over the Friday of last week, we were at, we found 302 for gas. And then today, 323. Same gas station. Wow. So you can already see that starting to go up. And it's just. Yeah. Even it, despite our state tax reduction on gas. I couldn't even imagine what gas is in other parts of the country. Yeah. And we start to hear it now more and more. But I think if you wanted an October surprise, gas prices going back up is definitely an October surprise. I don't think I anyone mean, expected it. With, it. with a tax break, if I was Shell or any of the corporations, I would, I would be telling the. Uh, uh, the mom and pop gas stations and says, prep the prep the audience because the numbers are going up. Yeah. So don't do it in one shot. Do it little by little, and uh, you know as a, as a as a best way to prep the folks. But how how can you prep the average American uh, from three dollars and twenty three cents to five dollars to eight dollars to nine dollars? You really can't. No. Uh, and uh, it affects not only the it affects the whole country. Well, with the inflation at the rate that it's in, I mean, the, I'm, I'm, there are families who I'm sure now aren't even paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. uh, they're literally underwater, uh, given I, 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 given the rise of prices and everything. I was reading that uh, if you if you were making a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar in salary two years ago, you were fine. Right. You were rocking. Yeah. Now you're struggling sure and uh, because everything else reflects uh the econo the economy of the country everything so if this is more expensive transporting the goods to the to the supermarket is more expensive the 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 the, the milk is six dollars a gallon now. well right now you yeah. know a year's a year's it rent goes. is uh you know just uh, you know close to fifty thousand dollars i don't understand that's how i don't hear i don't yeah <laughs> yeah right and that's and i i think that's like in an average place, like oh, in Brandon somewhere. Yeah. A, larger, a larger conversation is the fact that there is no plan to figure out how to reduce gas prices. That, no. it, that connects to the economy. Because they don't want to. They don't, but that's the problem that we are all having. The fact that the, the moment they want, that- No, they the want to reduce that, gas prices. They just, sorry, they want to reduce gas prices, but they don't want to do what it takes to reduce gas prices. The moment they, that they announced- You know, they, 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 I think, my, my sense, uh, if you were to look at it from a- a strategic planner standpoint there are two types of planners military planners mm -hmm. strategic planners and even in the state department uh, they're not military but they're they have planners in there <laughs> they are the good ones and they have the bad ones and uh, you know you know who they are because um, they the ones that are really good they usually have a structure and they usually have a list of successes that go along with the recommendation mm -hmm. uh, and then the bad ones are those that eh, maybe hit and miss they got a one good one here good one there but the but the bulk of the of the portfolio is really bad in this case when when you look at it I'm thinking that the the government the White House Washington DC is actually looking at if we give up all our power, and let the world know that hey, I need you. That they're gonna they're gonna feel um, touched by that, and they're gonna they're gonna treat us nice because we need them. And um, uh, if you need somebody, it's always a good thing. And and the victim uh, and the victim mentality 
uh, we need your support, and and it's going to make, yeah, 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 well, I'm, I'm here to help you. Don't you worry about a thing. And what they fail to understand is that when it comes to the international arena, it's a constant chess game in which you're not their friend. Correct. You will never be their friend, no matter what country it is. Correct. Correct. It could be, it, you know, we have good relationships with many countries, with the UK, with Israel, with a number of countries. We do have great relationships. They, they have fought alongside with us, you know, coalitions, alliances, um, um, uh, friendships, uh, partnerships. At the end of the day, they're all for their country. Correct. Yep. They want what is best for their country. And uh, Saudi Arabia is no, ex is no exception to that. When he came to 1976 and President Carter in 1978, they were the leaders of OPEC, still are, and they decided to do an embargo against the United States, mm -hmm. despite the fact that we were the number one the number one buyer. Why? Because they looked at it as business people and they said, you know what, we're going to lose our number one buyer, but we're going to replace him with this little guy that was just declared a most favored nation status, China. And let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And that's why they, they're, they're playing from a position of power. And when we come to them in a position of weakness, like we're not producing what we can produce, you're giving them the power. So they can look at you in the eyes like the Chinese did in Alaska at the beginning of the administration mm -hmm. and met with them across the table and told them, we really have nothing to talk about. It's been great meeting you. We're out. And they left and insulted them. Correct. Well, Saudi Arabia is doing the same thing. Saudi Arabia says, you ask us to lower the pricing. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Why, yeah. why oh, now you want us to increase the production? Yeah. You want us to increase Well, especially production? after so many years that we had kept the prices low because we were producing our own. Right. And now they're, they're saying, now you want us to increase the production? I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And then we, 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 we gave the impression of amateur hour. When, when we started the issue in the Ukraine, supporting the Ukraine, we actually went to Russia and asked them to sell us oil. We actually asked them <laughs> if they can, you know. And of course, Putin said, "What are you talking about? You know, I already got the market I need in Europe. You go away, America." <laughs> well, and it's it's it. it's so pathetic, in fact, to see them having to go basically to the equivalent of our nation's enemies mm -hmm. and asking them for favors when it comes to oil production. That is bad strategy. You want to piss off an electorate, the Hispanic electorate? Keep on talking to Venezuela. Oh yeah. Oh Keep yeah. Keep on talking to Venezuela. Oh yeah. Every, Not only that. every Hispanic, and I will say this because sometimes yes, the Hispanic vote can be kind of broken down between where they where their family lineage is from. Mm -hmm. So you can play that game. However, when it comes to Venezuela and how much that has impacted so many other Hispanic countries around that region, yes. and then we have to hear from it from our family members of how bad it is, and we get those we get the refugees coming to our churches and coming to our our, our Bible studies and coming to our Thanksgiving dinners because we're bringing them into our communities. Right. We hear the stories, we see what happens. My nephew, who is. 13 knows more about what's happening in Venezuela than what other American children are because he has people that have been from there. Not only that, I mean, what kind of an actual product could we possibly expect from a country that has essentially destroyed its oil industry? Oh my God. I mean, whatever they are able to produce can't be good. Well, they don't have a they don't they, have, they, they don't have an infrastructure. Right. They can't. Well, they they destroyed it all. They ruined it all. They mm -hmm. certainly did. And the little that they had at the beginning when Chavez uh, changed the constitution in 1999, uh, one of the things that he did almost automatically a couple of months later, he gave a whole bunch of uh, uh, um, uh, of of towers in the lake where they get the uh, where they get the oil to the Chinese. 
<laughs> in payment for refining the oil in China. So as a good, 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 good faith effort, we're going to give you all these towers. We're going to give you, and then you're going to be nice to us. And you know what China did? China turned around and says, hey, we appreciate it. Thank you. We're going to take position on all of them. You still owe us $20 billion. Yeah. Wow. Make it happen. It doesn't do anything. And you know the family is just pocketing any money that absolutely, comes in. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's the pro that again is amateur hour. You think by you saying, Okay, we'll get oil from Venezuela. That is one chain of a, a whole of one link of an entire chain that you have no idea what you're talking about. It's not that we're it's not it's not that we they can't that we're stopping them from exporting oil. It's the fact that they cannot export oil because they don't have the infrastructure anymore. Right. There's two, and, and there's two things about, about yeah. the, the Venezuelan oil that is very telling. One is that that used to be their currency with Cuba. Mm -hmm. They used to, used to send 100,000 barrels to Cuba, and not anymore. They can't. And the second problem with that is because they have a hard oil. It's very difficult to refine it. It's not a sweet it's oil. Not. It's not easy to refine it. it it's, uh, uh, it's labor intensive. Yeah. So it is not... It, it is not cheap to produce. It is not, and if you don't have the infrastructure to, to handle it and put it together, you can have all the reserves in the world, and it's not going to do you any the, good. Yeah, the amount of explosions that have happened in Venezuela and other 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 socialist countries because the infrastructure is just not there anymore, and it it begins to rot and it becomes, and then there are these explosions. However, one of our dear uh, watchers of tonight's episode has reminded me that guys, remember, Venezuela is a beautiful socialist experiment. And that we need to be kind, <laughs> kind to them about that. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we have had many socialist experiments. I'm done with the experiment. Thank you, Dr. Leo. <laughs> um, it, real quick, again, we got a major news item that uh, broke just before the show started. I'm going to save it for the end of the show because it's a really a local topic. I did not um, realize but, what you were talking And we're not going to say it yet. But I yeah. did not know what you were talking about until I'm like, what could have possibly happened? Well, then, I just reminded. And, and then our our thread right. section was like, you need to say blah blah blah, and we'll talk about this. Yeah, yeah. And so I want you, I want to see your reaction when it comes down the pike. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you again, everybody, for watching the Yard Sign, the most important and relevant podcast in politics. Joining me tonight. Retired Air Force Colonel E.J. Otero, Anibal David Cabrera. Uh, again, you see our topics there. Don't forget, to, you can also track the topics in the description. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow us on our social media platforms. And if you don't mind, check out our new website, theyardsignshow.com. That's theyardsignshow.com. Uh, you know, I think, you know, a lot of this really kind of funnels also into tonight's final topic, which is Russia getting feisty in the sense that, uh, you know, there was a quote today uh, from, let's just say, uh, a, a someone very prominent in American politics calling for peace between the Ukraine and Russia. Do you, either of you want to take a guess who that was? Trump. Thanks. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so annoyed. And this is, this goes back to our larger conversation that no one understands foreign policy and no one, no American president has focused, has had the ability to focus on foreign policy since the first Papa Bush. He ran the, he ran the CIA. And he was one of the few people that was trying to figure out what to do with the system that we had at the time. That right. we were, I mean, again, we built the system that we have around the world. Like this was yeah. meant for us to fight the Russians and for everyone to, it was a guns for butter. 
I believe is the terminology. Mm-hmm. Like that was the purpose of all this. And then when the Russians disappeared, when the Soviet Union disappeared, we what were we doing with the system right. that we designed it for? And we're still fighting that conversation that Americans just don't care about what's happening around the world. Yeah. And there's like five or six of us in the country that actually care about foreign policy and understand that it is, it is it's it's a chess game. Well, what's remarkable though is what we're hearing from the Biden administration is, is that they're ready to engage as things continue to escalate, right? They seem to be ready to go. Like they're excited. They're like, you know, they're, they're like the dog on the leash that's ready to attack. Um, meanwhile, we are seeing things escalate as Putin retaliated against uh, the Ukraine so, yeah. so, uh, by, by, by launching uh, so, some air yeah, missiles so this, into the Ukraine. This morning, uh, for uh, uh, President uh, Vladimir Putin unlisted a barrage of missiles onto the Ukraine citizens attacking mm-hmm. about, I believe it was, I, I had it earlier, dozens of cities with uh, unreliable blasts, unreliable missiles. So they weren't very smart missiles. Uh, about 14 people were killed. Um, dozens of cities were were, were targeted. Uh, many parts of it, there are videos of even a commercial building getting hit on the ground floor. So it's, it's quite uh, intense what was happening. Some, some fell in parks, some fell in, in a daycare center. So you can tell it was, just, it was very random what was happening. And that's a larger conversation about how the Russian military doesn't no longer has the kind of smart weapons that you think that an army of that size should have. But it was in retaliation for the uh, car, the truck explosion on a key bridge to Kiev, not Kiev, I'm sorry, to, to Crimea. So right now, Crimea is a peninsula that has, that has a land bridge to Ukraine and does not have any formal connection to Russia. They, that's why they built the bridge in 2018 for there to be some form of land, uh, some form of transportation uh, onto the peninsula and then was feeding the war efforts that are going on now. It's been something that I was expecting for it to be hit a lot sooner than it was. And when you realize how difficult it was, the placement of that, and then like you couldn't just fly a plane there to try to bomb it. Um, the fact they were able to get a truck, a bomb, that was, I was very surprised because I was not expecting that because that means there's legitimate um, insurgency happening in Russian territory. Even though Crimea was part of uh, Ukraine, about 90% of, Ukra- uh, of Crimeans actually identify as Russian, so it kind of was expected. However, this is this is Russian territory. It's been Russian territory for a while, and a few years now, since the Obama administration, uh, who just was like, oh, whatever, uh, okay, just whatever. And so now that this is happening, the UN, the UN general has uh, assembled an emergency session in New York, and they're really talking this through because this is definitely an escalation on on the Russian to Ukrainian side. So EJ, I mean, taking a look at this and and now, I mean, again, it seems blatantly obvious that this is an escalation. Uh, I mean, I think it's also confirmation that Russia seems to be falling on its heels here and and truly now acting in, in from a point of defense rather than offense. I mean, we weren't sure, right? Because the Ukraine has been saying that they've been on the offensive, that they've been gaining ground, that they're, you know, they that they, they, they've kind of been on the upside of of this uh uh, war, but you know, again, it's hard to believe what what comes out of that that side of the world, and I think this more or less seeing Putin on the defensive, I think more or less confirms that, right? It does, and uh, the evolution of the whole Russian presence in the Ukraine, uh, it's almost by the second. It changes by the minute and by the hour. For the longest time, there, for the longest time, there was the the, the belief that uh, and the understanding among military circles that. 
the the Russian army is so superior in numbers of personnel and equipment that there is no way that the Ukrainians were going to do any damage. I mean, was all that just uh, you know? Kind of our our reminiscence of uh, of of the eighties and seeing these huge parades of no. soldiers and missiles. I mean, no, no, it's uh, it's looking at numbers. Those were the numbers. Okay, and uh, yeah, but then when you uh, when you sift through the chaff and you look through it carefully, how many of those soldiers are professional? How many of those soldiers are cons- conscripts? How many of those soldiers understand where they're going to go? and what they're gonna do. How many of those soldiers belong to the Donsk area, uh, where the, the Russian area from Ukraine? How many of them come from uh, all over uh, Russia, other areas in Russia? Uh, the, the, uh, the, what is the age of the equipment? How many times a year they exercise that equipment? Now, when you have that, and you have a country, that the reality is that Russia is not rich, and Russia is actually a very poor country, uh, these exercises that uh, we used to see do not happen like they used to. Mm-hmm. The military is not as well trained as we thought they were, and we're starting to see that. Uh, they, you know, the the the, the first inkling of their uh, ineptitude was uh, the way they use the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had control of the air, but they wouldn't do anything with it. They couldn't do anything with it. What does that tell you? What that tell you is that the Air Force doesn't have a strategy. The, the, the Air Force doesn't know where all the targets are in the, in the Ukraine to take them out, like we would. The first thing before we go anywhere, we take out these targets must be taken right. out. Reconnaissance. So we can, and, yeah. so we can soften the, uh, the, the, the ground guys going in. Uh, they, they didn't have that. And uh, what has happened is that they're going, um, they're just shooting for the sake of shooting. Yeah. And they're, they're shooting uh, areas, uh, doing it a la um, the Soviet Union style yes. in which they want to intimidate and terrorize. So now we evolved from a military strategy that we saw an inkling of it at the beginning to terror in which they're sending missiles into civilian areas that are not a mili- that are not any in any way shape or form a military target. We also know that their equipment is dwindling. We also know that soldiers are running away. Mm-hmm. Russian soldiers right. are running away. We also know that soldiers in 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 units, complete units of uh, tanks are giving up and giving the tanks to the Ukrainians. Well, what's remarkable is that with social media today, we're seeing that footage firsthand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just reports anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there was a video I saw recently, and I think, it, I don't know if it was Instagram or TikTok or something, but it was literally an entire unit of guys standing around as clueless as can be. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, on radios saying, hey, like, you know, we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. They're not, um, they're, they're you not, know, they're, they're, they'd get pretty much given up. Absolutely. And, and when you have a, a, a military organization, a military system like this, like the Russia system, that is based on, uh, on a personality of a cult. Mm-hmm. It's a cult personality. In mm-hmm. this case, Putin. It is not like the United States. We are... Uh, our our military is based on a constitution that it's over 200 years old that says the military answers to the to the civilian sector to this to the executive and when it does that uh, there are certain rules which are hundreds and hundreds of rules that you have to abide by and we are all trained in that frame of thinking the russians do not the russians literally grab guys from the street give them a uniform put them out there see what you can do 
and it's almost a, a process of desperation. Furthermore, the fact that we have, when I say we, I mean the, the allies and the partnership that we have with the Ukraine, that so many general officers have uh, been killed, mm -hmm. uh, taken, uh, prisoners, and so on, that's unheard of. Uh, generals are never in a tank. Right. And they're not in the back of a truck listening to communications. Right. Uh, it is a, 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 a desperation movement of, of, of Putin that tells you one of two things. One is that those general officers, he doesn't want them in Moscow because they're a problem. Mm -hmm. So go out there and or these are uh, Putin is desperate that he needs to make sure that these non-professional soldiers that are out there in the fields, captains, lieutenants, uh, and so on that are that are running these operations have somebody of somebody of authority above them that will that will make sure that they do what they need to do. And at the end of the day, it doesn't work because the system is still crappy, the yeah. communications are still crappy, everybody's listening to what they're talking about from tank to tank. Literally. They have everyone. no communication security <laughs> whatsoever. And well, it is a, it, it is a shooting gallery for the, for the Ukrainians. Yeah. And then the last piece to consider, this is not over, so it's not the final word, but the last piece to consider for now is the Ukrainians themselves. Mm -hmm. The Ukrainians, they don't care. They care about their country. Right. They're not gonna, well, I wonder if politically this is gonna be good. No, they're gonna come after you until they defeat you. Where yes. Putin is having some political blowback, some political yes. pushback, you know, and then certainly when he called for, let's say the equivalent of the draft yes. uh, of all men that were within the, the, the nation's borders. Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw an exodus like we would see here in Florida for a hurricane. Absolutely. I mean, the, the highways were all packed, the airports were packed, the, I mean, public transportation. I mean, it was all men mm -hmm. trying to leave the country yeah, as quickly as, as, as possible. As of this weekend, almost 750,000 Russians have left the country. Absolutely. Uh, from leaving out of Finland, we had two people uh, uh, through Alaska asking for a refugee status. Uh, this is becoming ridiculous. And the only outcome that I see in regards to the shelling of residential and commercial zones with inside Ukraine, and again, this was just a like you're upset that they were able to bomb the bridge. And so now you just sporadically throw out these weapons, these uh, these tank, these missiles. Is that now the West is probably going to provide them with even more um, air defense systems to be able to protect the resident, the, the the civilian population. Well, that's the concerning part, right? Is that these airstrikes, these air missiles, as poorly executed as they may have been, mm -hmm. is an escalation, and of course, it's what terror. what. What a lot of people are now, you know, a lot of some of the pieces that are coming out are saying what this country fails to have right now is an understanding of the true gravity of a nuclear war, mm -hmm. right? Something that we saw in the 50s and 60s. Yes. It's why you have bomb shelters in Miami Beach at ground level. You know, I mean, it's, it's we, we truly don't. We don't have that perception. We don't have that fear. We don't have, uh, even though the technology allegedly is there for this to truly be a threat to I don't think it's a threat. Our continent. I, I, I honestly don't believe we're at that point whatsoever. I could totally see a larger percentage of Russia using a, a tactical of some form on, on Ukraine, but that will do nothing. Everything he's done, it's called. But at the, the very opposite. least, we'd still get involved. <laughs> we're already involved. Even if, even if, well, yeah. But if you don't want us to get involved, but Putin's then you kind don't of been, do that. But Putin's kind of been turning his his head the other way, kind of looking the other way. No, he's not. And not. A, I mean, he knows that we're involved, you know. But but he he's. 
again, he realizes that the last thing he wants is for us to get involved, to truly get involved. Uh, well, the, 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 the Ukrainians don't want us involved. No, they do not want us the involved. The Ukrainians, they, they, they want to take the trophy home and everybody's right. around the well, trophy. Well, because then they'd be indebted to us more than they already are. Absolutely. And, and let's remember, they're not they're not saints. That, no. that they, yeah. they have a high rate of corruption. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the, the Ukrainians, they ask for support. Give us the bullets, give us the gear, give us the, uh, uh, the systems, and we'll run them. Mm -hmm. You go away. You leave them here, and you go. You teach us how to use it, and you go away. And at one point, they have never asked. At any given point, they have ever asked uh, you know American troops to go there. Correct. But that's part of the pride and arrogance culturally of, of that part of the world. I don't yes. think so. I think it causes a lot more problems if you have the Americans with boots on the ground. It becomes a well, huge that too, problem. of course. Well, if you if you were for, but culturally, first of all, first of all culturally, it, like you like you were saying, it's all about taking that trophy and saying we earned this. Yes, and go, and being able but to walk. And they know you want that. They uh, but they know that if not with our health. They don't. If they are the ones who take that trophy home. With a with a with a blue and yellow flag draped around it, yeah, they are the first country mm -hmm. that defeated the Russians. Mm -hmm. That's a big that's wow. a big claim. A big deal. You know, not even the Georgians, with one of the best special forces in the world, was able to beat them. Right. The Russians went into Georgia and just smacked them around and left and looked at Poland and said, right after they we removed the uh, the, the the defense missiles, yep. uh, they looked at Poland and it says. And you better be careful because then we're coming after you. And the history between Poland and Russia is a, is a sad one. Right. So they still beat the Georgians. They gave them their country back, uh, but with a smacking. If Ukraine were to beat the Russians, they elevate their position politically in the world to ways that we have never heard of, especially because they have nuclear facilities. Huh. Now they're players. Right. Now they're players and not just, well, you know, remember we offer them uh, uh, nuclear capabilities, uh, nuclear weapons, and uh, then they cut a deal in which now we don't want to have them. Uh, Russia, we're not going to be your enemy. And Russia says, okay, we don't want you to have any nuclear weapons. And they said, no, we're not going to have any nuclear weapons, but they do have nuclear reactors. So uh, after this event, what Ukraine is going to do to either stabilize or destabilize the uh, Eastern European American chessboard. It's to be seen, but worrisome. What do you, what, what do you think? Uh, Cause we're, we're running out of time here. What do you think is, I mean, uh, I don't know how much longer it's going to go on for, but what do you think is the outcome here? What do you, what do you think is, how does this come to an end? Well, I, I, I believe that, the, uh, that the, the reports are the Russian military leadership, it's fractured. It's not there. It's, they're just going through the motions. Um, and there is a series of uh, very senior general officers that uh, knew uh, Putin when he was a KGB officer, a KGB colonel. Right. So this is not just one guy. He doesn't know any of his cats. He knows who they are, some of them. And uh, there is no love lost. Is it? Is there some resentment because he's more of an institutional guy coming from the KGB and not a military guy? You no, know, he is. Uh, he is viewed as a, uh, as a threat to the Soviet Union as a power. Mm. He has the people say, "Well, what are you talking about? They're already a power." So not if it if it's defeated the way correct. it is looking that it will be defeated by oh, the yeah, Ukraine. Correct. Not if his moves with the oil and and Europe 
not if he decides to make any military move against the United States or even Europe uh, to test President He's Biden. He's put too much on the line. It, a lot is on the line. But what I would say is if, if those generals, they already have reported that, that there is a desire to remove him, now, how do you you remove him? Do you impeach him in the in Congress? Of course no. not. Yeah, it is a different it is a different culture. It's a different history. They'll go into his office. They'll ask him to stand up, put handcuffs on him, and escort him out and disappear. So, will that happen? It has happened hundreds of times in the Russian history, and nobody has said a word because and that's it, the way it is. And it happens like nothing. It just it's just a random Tuesday or a, a, a month. No, honestly, yeah. it just it. No one knows when these things. Then happen. everybody just act like it didn't. And happen. the Russians have a history of having such regime changes oh. so quickly and so radically that there's not enough time to see the change that occurs. I don't. I I would say that besides the fact that I do agree that, that that Putin will probably disappear sooner than later I wouldn't be surprised if we if the Ukrainians push all the way back to the original lines that they were that they were before the the started which mm. means they're not they're not going to take back Crimea they they are not going to take the second the most west the most eastern side of Ukraine because that's very Russian they've been fighting for a while those people are they consider themselves Russian so I wouldn't be surprised if that line gets reinforced back to where it was before this entire conflict happened and again the fact that the Ukrainians have been the fact that Kiev did not fall within the first three days is incredible that's uh, yeah when that did not happen I knew this was for a long-term fight mm. because if it's within because that's a that's the shock and awe situation if you cannot do that if you cannot decapitate the leadership of a country within the first 72 hours of a conflict you're going to have a long-term guerrilla war and that's what this has become when the other true test becomes uh what does Zelensky become after all this you know and what does he become with his newfound fame and power it's two things yeah. either either he will be like gorbachev and disappear into the sunset mm -hmm. or uh, he will be like uh uh, uh from poland uh, uh solidarity uh, he could disappear into the sunset but be in the books as a as a genius as a man that stood the onslaught of the russian troops and beat him and he goes to the side and becomes a professor somewhere uh, they give him a whole bunch of uh, international awards yeah which I think and might happen that. more than not. So you don't you don't think this goes south at all? And you know it. it I mean, because again, for you know, the corruption is well known in crime in that's the why, Ukraine. That, and that, that, that's why the, the 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 beating of the Russians would be, and Putin leaving would be overwhelming mm -hmm. enough that nobody will remember about the corruption. Correct. Correct. They will work it internally. This is right. this is this is, a, this is our home. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it at home here yeah. in the kitchen. Uh, but our leader, our guy. He needs to be presented in the world, and everybody has, everybody reveres this guy. Every time they go, yeah. they pay him all the respects that that he he does deserve. Yeah, but he needs to, he's still leading a, a corrupt government. Yeah. And he he wasn't so. he was not a politician before this. He was a comedian, and I think a lot of people forget. <laughs> honestly, well, yeah. like Wałęsa from Solidarity in right. Poland, he was a union leader. Correct. And everybody said, well, he owns a country because he took down uh, Jaruzelski and he took down the the communists. And uh, and he has all the unions in his favor. Is a problem. The country is not the unions. Right. So the rest of the country said, "Thank you. Just go away. Yes. Go and give lectures in universities." So we just have we have a few comments in the comment section in regards to this. Um, uh, do you think that this will become will 
bring more people into the i don't th- uh, let me say let me say it. uh one do you think that nato will get involved and two do you think this is a catalyst for the next world war three no i agree with that i i don't i don't believe this is a catalyst for for world war three i don't i don't think it'll escalate to that point for, for, i would i would i would say this uh, and, and 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 the media they're always throwing that out yes there. yes world war three world war three what is world war three what does that mean because I'll tell you, I, I, I fought in Afghanistan and Iraq, and I saw a whole bunch of countries fighting with me, side by side with me and against me. So what does World War III, other than being an emotional term, means? Does it mean nuclear war? Does it mean that, uh, um, you know, whatever it is, I, I don't think so. Most yeah. countries in the world are keeping this a Russian-Ukraine matter. Mm-hmm. All right, so to close out the topic, I'm I just want to... I'm sorry, I have one more question. I apologize. Uh, another one. Uh, Putin is crazy, but not stupid. The best weapon the U.S. has in this situation is our vote. If we continue to elect weak on, weak on defense leadership, we continue. Uh, he will continue to escalate. Our strong, A strong U.S. position would force Russia to deal with Putin. A weak U.S. leadership prolongs what has a point of escalation is like. Do you agree or disagree? That we have a weak leadership? Do you believe that the voting of... Um, the voting, they don't care about the voting. I, I agree with that as well. If, they put a, if we put a Democrat or if we put a Republican in power, I don't care. If For, for what the, the, the person is asking in the question, is that the countries around the world, they don't look at the United States in terms of Democrat or Republicans. They look at the United States in terms of, are you strong or not? Are you willing to be a Democrat like Truman and blast uh, whatever he he did. Uh, are you going to be a right wing like John F. Kennedy um, uh, uh, with a strong military, a strong economy, and all these things? Uh, uh, they don't care if the, if the president of the United States has the fortitude to establish himself and let the world know that we run the show. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, wrapping this up, uh, Glenn Greenwald, who is of, uh, you know, a very liberal um, journalist, um, but actually, for some reason, living in Brazil now, um, but still writing about American politics, you know, says that worse, far worse, not one Democratic Party official in D.C. is willing to utter anything close to the very sensible remarks from Trump here. Because that's because, insanely, calls for diplomacy are cast as weakness, appeasement, or pro-Kremlin treason. And all that to, again, a very, you know, ill-covered or or neglected comment from one of Trump's recent rallies where he said, we must demand the immediate negotiation of a peaceful end to the war in Ukraine or we will end up in World War III and there will be nothing left of our planet. All because stupid people don't have a clue that they don't understand the power of nuclear. I think I think he answers his own question when it comes to stupid comments and stupid questions. I cannot believe I'm saying this. I don't agree. You're not focusing on international policy. You're just trying to get. You're trying to be hyperbolic and you're trying to make comments to make people fear. And people fear. They vote, and that's what. Sure, but again, this of, is this on is, both sides. People are doing that. This the is fact a major, that Biden said it, and now that Trump is saying it's just. But no, but Biden's on the other side. Biden's saying like, "Hey, we're ready to go. Like we're ready." You know, no, he's not. No, he's ready. Not. no, he's not. He said Armageddon. He's not ready to go. He's Personally, not. he's not ready to go. He's not calling for peace. No, he's and that's not, but, but, and that's a big role reversal, right? Because in the '80s, we were the war hawks, right? We were the ones, you know, in the '80s and '90s, Republicans were always chomping at the bit to go to war. Yeah. And now here we have a complete role reversal where Biden's talking a big game, um, you know, and then and then Trump, who 
in you know in essence is the leader of the republican party at the time uh right now is is calling for the opposite well you know right or wrong i mean it, it, it's like this either position is not wrong the expectation is that the president of the united states will always say what i put on everything is on the table yeah mm -hmm. but for to say that in reference to nuclear that we're ready for it that is not that is not true no. that is uh that is hyperbolic and for trump to say you know, uh, let's 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 sing kumbaya and let's have peace and let's uh, let's call for peace with each other. I mean, anybody can say that and it will be welcome because it. it, it how are you going to go against that? Yeah, you but can't. that's the thing. Democrats are not saying and, and remotely. They're not even remotely close to saying. No, because what saying what what, they, what they're doing is they're keeping their opinions to themselves on this yeah. one because it is beyond them. Yeah. When it comes to nuclear anything, the understanding of how that process works, from the moment the president says, this is what we're going to do, to the time the young captain in the missile silos turns a key and the other guy next to him turns a key at the same time, it's about 120 steps. It's not that easy. It's right. complicated. And those, 20 steps, and, those, and those steps run about five minutes, maybe less, maybe in three minutes in, in some cases. Uh, but, but the president of the United States always has to say, I'm gonna put all the, all the cards on the table. Caution with a nuclear card. Because right. you are scratching the belly of somebody that mm -hmm. is crazy. Sure. Mm -hmm. And they have, the same, they have the same limitations on how they run their nuclear, uh, their nuclear um, effort as we do. But it would be wise for those that don't know anything about it, so take a lot. seat back. You're not an expert on it. Yeah. You're not on a Facebook expert. Well, that's take why a, I don't like bringing it on the show. Take, take, take a seat back. <laughs> take a seat back and listen. Pay attention. Yeah. Uh, monitor if you want to read up on it. Do from military sources, from people that have been doing this for a long Correct. time. Not your neighbor over a barbecue. Yes. Uh, you know these are these are very serious things. There are large yeah. organizations of individuals on both sides that their one job is to make sure that communication is always in line with the opposite large power. This is not a one person making this decision. Look, you can say whatever you want about the military, whoever is listening to the show at this point, whether you're from the left or from the right, you can say whatever you want about the military. The military will never act today on a nuclear strike. Correct. Okay. On that note, uh, um, you know, I do want to just uh, quickly mention, and please go over to Bay News 9. They have it on their homepage. Uh, huge news here in Hillsborough County. As the circuit court judge here in Hillsborough County struck down the transportation tax referendum, completely taking it off the ballot. Uh, huge win for Karen Jarosh, Heritage Foundation, uh, a lot of the grassroots Republicans uh, here in Hillsborough County who uh, were ready to fight this out on the streets and actually won the battle battle in the courts ahead of time. Uh, now this transportation tax referendum, uh, which not only would have increased uh, taxes, but they said would have raised uh, over $342 million in its first year. And that was an estimate from 2018 um, has uh, been stricken down because of the verbiage uh, from the November ballot. And that is a huge, 
huge win uh, again, not only for those involved, but for us taxpayers who were now not ha- going to have to worry about another tax referendum being on the ballot. The ramifications of this is that uh, the the head of the Hillsborough County um, Supervisor of Election was in the room when that decision was made, and already 323,000 mail-in ballots have already been submitted. Yeah, and everybody sent out. So this is a, a huge deal. He did not comment. Laniger did not comment on what was going on, but I do see them following what the courts have ruled that this was definitely uh, what was the misleading misleads the public. Yep. It, the way the verbiage is done and organized, it's so misleading. And I know other people are not going to say it's true or not, but it is true. They this is so poll tested. It's inappropriate. It is completely inappropriate. Just say you're raising taxes to help to, to build roads. I mean, yeah. just say that. And this is the second time that this measure has come under fire in the courts because of its wording. The last time, it, they, the tax had actually gone into effect. Mm-hmm. They had already collected on that tax. I'm still waiting for and the now, money back. Yeah, and now this tax. money is just sitting there. <laughs> Where's my money back? You know, because, well, the, the, the county commission was counting on this measure passing and so they're like, oh, let's wait to see if it passes on the second go round, so that we don't have to give the money back. We spent $700,000 on people campaigning so they get right. Hillsborough County. This is so yeah. a disgusting use of resources. What ticks me off too is that the guy who was responsible for the ter- first tax referendum, um, you know, a lot of the wording, a lot of the campaigning, a lot of that stuff, as soon as it passed, because remember it passed and then it got challenged, um, <laughs> it now lives in Seattle. Shocking! Oh yeah, yeah. shocking! It's you know it's it's they they claim their win and and move on because these guys aren't from these communities. No, they're not. These, from, these people no. are not from here. They're they're the ones that benefit from this on on the outer rim. And they, that's the and that's the most upsetting part of this whole thing. The yeah. people from outside of the area doing this stuff to to implement us and have this effect on us. I will say this: Bob Emerson was the first group of uh, the first gentleman that did the first lawsuit in regards to that with um, Stacy White, I believe, and they were able to overturn it the first time. Around. The people do not the the courts are telling you that it shouldn't be going. The people are not going to do with this either. Yeah. All right. Thank you everybody again for watching. Huge thanks to our great friend uh, uh, Colonel uh, E.J. Otero uh, for joining us tonight, and Evil David Cabrera uh, as always. And thank you. Uh, thank you again to Community Patriots. Uh, look them up at community-patriots.com. That's community-patriots.com to learn more about how you can get involved at the grassroots level and help uh, a constitutionally founded uh, of uh, candidates get elected into office, and also Concerned Veterans for America. Uh, Thanks to David Houston, Jimmy Smith, uh, for their advocacy for our veterans, those who have served our nation. To learn more about how you can continue to stand for American freedom and prosperity, contact David Houston at dhouston at cv4a.org, or you can check out their amazing website at cv4a.org. You can follow them on Twitter, at ConcernedVetsFL, uh, or you can find them right here on Facebook if you're watching us on Facebook at Concerned Veterans for America, Florida. All right. And, uh, and again, thank you to everybody for watching, listening, whenever, wherever you may do, be doing so. Uh, that's all for tonight. We'll see you back here next Monday night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bam, 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 bam.